0: Amen. Thank the Lord for his word. God will establish his kingdom. He did that through uh, David and through Solomon and ultimately uh, through Christ that was uh, fulfilled. Uh, Christ sat on David's throne. God had established Christ to reign forever. Amen. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Father we thank you first of all this morning that you fulfill your word that all your prophecies concerning Christ have been fulfilled every prophecy that was made has been fulfilled as we get ready to look at your word this morning we're going to see through the mouth of the prophet Isaiah that the throne of Christ that the rule of Christ that the reign of Christ did come to pass and Lord that is why we love you and we love your word it is so precious to us because Lord your word is true your word is truth your word is the only truth the only source of truth and Lord you alone are the the true God the true God and father of Our Lord Jesus Christ, the true God who reigns over all earthly powers. And Lord, we come to you this morning looking to you as our God, looking to you as our deliverer, looking to you as our king, as our ruler. Lord, we look to you as a church, as our chief shepherd, our head, our guide. The one to whom we are to worship and the one to whom we are to serve and the one to whom we are to aim to please. Lord, you alone are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our attention. You are worthy of our affections. Father, we thank you this morning for being the great God. We thank you, Lord, for being the creator and sustainer of all that you Have made both things that we see and things that are unseen. Lord, we thank you for the glory of you that we see in creation. Lord, it is you who made us and not we ourselves. The psalmist proclaims that the earth is yours and the fullness of it, the world and they who dwell therein. Lord, we just want to praise you and just worship you. And just honor you this morning for being the great God, the only wise God. In a world that is post-truth, our, our, our world doesn't recognize truth. The world speaks of uh, a person's truth or a person's story. But Lord, there's only one story that is true, and we're going to look at that. The next few weeks and we look at it throughout the year there's o- only one story that is true and one story that is worthy and that is the story of redemption through Jesus Christ the story of the Savior of the world being born that is the greatest story ever told that is the greatest story of all that is the only story Lord that really matters it is the story of of the God man Jesus Christ born as a king born as a priest born as the prophet of God who came to bring salvation to all who believe who came to set those who are captive in sin free from the tyranny and the bondage and the slavery of sin. Lord this is the only story that truly matters. In all eternity. Lord may we as a church. Point people to. This great story. This is just not a time of year. Of, of sentimentalism. And, and sle- sleigh bells. And, and Santa Claus. And all those things. And those things may be good. And bring us uh, moments of, of happiness. But Lord the, the greatest. And most important. Thing about this year. And this time of year, specifically, is the birth of our Lord and Savior. And the celebration of this man, this God-Man, Jesus Christ. Lord, let that be our heart focus. Let that be our mind focus. And let us be bold and point those whom we love to that important truth: that Christ's birth is the truth that matters. That He was born. Lord let it be our focus this morning. And Lord we pray also for our. Sister churches as they look. To this time of year also proclaiming. The importance of the birth of Christ that. You bless our brethren who are leading our. uh, Sister uh, churches and other like-minded churches. In our area from uh, Mountain View Church to. Uh, Redeemer and Christian Fellowship and Grace Fellowship and Anderson Bible and First Baptist Lionville and Iron City Baptist Church and other faithful men who are leading their churches that you fill us all with your spirit Lord to, to shepherd the flock of God with the power that the Holy Spirit supplies and Lord that you bless our congregations may they be blessed by our shepherding may they be encouraged by the work of labor that we are doing in laboring in gospel work Lord may you grow us all in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and Father I pray as the message is preached this morning as we look at Isaiah 40 and Mark 1 as we look at uh, Christ and his birth being foretold that you fill me with your spirit to preach this text well. And Lord, that you send your spirit to illuminate your truths to us this morning as we hear and preach about our coming Savior, God's promise of a deliverer. In Christ's name I pray, Amen. Amen. Let us turn. We're going to look at two scriptures this morning. We're going to look at them. In turn our first is going to be Isaiah the 40th chapter and our our topic this morning is God prepares the way God prepares the way and I think I sent the text out that we we were adding I I left off Isaiah uh, 40 verses 1 through 11 so we're going to uh, look at this verse first and we're going to work from two principles this morning the first one is sin is our exile and that is going to come from the Isaiah passage. And then, sin is our, uh, or rather, Jesus is our exodus. He is our way out of sin. And that is why his birth matters. So, let us turn to Isaiah, the 40th chapter. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Now, just as context for this uh, passage this morning, the the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are filled with warnings uh, to Israel. This is, uh, Isaiah is a pre-exilic book. In other words, uh, Isaiah prophesied his ministry was before the exile. It was warning uh, Israel about the coming judgment of the exile. Uh, and the first 39 chapters, uh, of this book are filled with warnings to Israel to turn back to God in worship because uh, the judgment of the exile was pending. And so that is the uh, first almost uh, over, over half of, of the book. And so this 40th chapter uh, begins the, the second major section. And this chapter in particular that we're looking at this passage is speaking of what's going to happen after Israel is through with their exile. So it's kind of uh, fast forwarding uh, to what God is speaking to uh, his people uh, after uh, the exile after they return uh, to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and rebuild uh, the walls. So it's speaking of the hope of Israel after uh, the exile so God will speak again to his people and this is what God is called to say beginning at verse 1. It says comfort comfort. Yes comfort my people says your God speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And her speaking of Israel, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, What should I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. And his work before him. He will feed his flock. Like with his arm. And carry them in his bosom. And gently lead those. Who are with young. May the Lord bless his word this morning. Amen our first principle is sin is our exile. So we have to go back to what the exile is and how it happened. And as we've been studying in church, Bible study in the book of Numbers and uh, not Deuteronomy yet, Leviticus and and, uh, the book of Ezra, we touched on it uh, these past 10 weeks. The exile began because of Israel's rebellion against him. And it all started with the exodus when they were miraculously delivered Uh, From Pharaoh and his army. And had the miraculous Red Sea crossing. They went through on dry ground. And they saw the Red Sea close up on Pharaoh's chariots. And as soon as they got into the wilderness. They started complaining. And complaining. And rebelling. And revolting. They built a golden calf where the people persuaded Aaron they put pressure on Aaron to 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 have them to build a molded calf while Moses was in uh, the mountain receiving um, words and commandments and statutes from the Lord. And then after that in the wilderness even more they they complained about the food that they had they complained about the manner and and God judged them by giving them uh, quail uh, to eat with with Wealthy, which did not uh, satisfy them. And then you continue to read on through the biblical narrative of the first five books you will continue to see more rebellion, where they rebelled against Moses and against Aaron and the sons of Korah uh, rebelled and, and God struck them and then you have the 10 spies who came back with the bad report and, and God punished those who were over 20 that they were going to die in the wilderness over the next 40 years years and then the book of Deuteronomy we see even more rebellions against God and then they finally made it over to the promised land with Joshua leading them and even in the promised land they they sinned against God you had the sin of Achan uh, that caused sin to come into the camp and then uh, you had Israel not driving out all of the enemies as they were po- uh, supposed to and then Joshua dies he gives his great speech Tells them to serve the Lord. Choose this they whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua passed obscene. Then you get to the book of Judges. Where there was a generation that came up that did not know Joshua, as, as the narrative says in the beginning chapters of the book of Judges. And the, the, the scripture says that people began to everybody began to do what was right in their own eyes. And there was a series of Bad judges, you have some good ones in there here and there, but you had a series of bad judges that were wicked and evil, and they could not get rid of their enemies that they were supposed to, and they became a snap to Israel, and they just continued to cascade deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. Then you get to the period of uh, King Saul where they rejected God as being king over them, they wanted a king like all the other nations, and so. King Saul, Saul became king, although he was not fit. And what did Saul do? Saul rebelled against God and didn't fully obey God. So God had to take the kingdom away from Saul and gave it to a man after his own heart named David. And David was the the Christ king. He was the prototypical king. He was a good king, but David also sinned against God too. And then his son Solomon, Solomon sinned against God by marrying the foreign wives when God told him not to. Then so- Solomon had a son who became king after him, and he rebelled. And then after him, you had Jeroboam. He rebelled, and so God punished them by splitting the kingdom into two. Sending the northern tribes up north, and the southern tribes kept them in Jerusalem. The northern tribes were carried off by the Assyrians. The southern tribe was carried off by Babylon in 586 B.C., and they remained in exile. So how did it start? It started because of sin and rebellion. And so, exile, the exile, represented judgment against sin. That's what it represented. God told them in Deuteronomy that they were going to suffer seven Sabbaths. And those seven Sabbaths equaled the 70 years of exile. The seven years of Sabbaths that they were going to have to suffer in exile. So, when we look at the exile and we see this book of Isaiah here, he is preaching and warning the people in the first 39 chapters of the coming judgment of God but the sad thing is they didn't heed to it and so now we get to this point in the book where Isaiah is presenting hope and this is a promise of the reality of Jerusalem's exile because of their stubborn sin and disobedience They would experience judgment at the hands of the Babylonian invaders, and and that is what happened. And they would live under a cruel yoke of captivity because the Babylonians were very cruel people. They were pagans, and we see one of the uh, books of the Bible, uh, the Book of Daniel, uh, was written during uh, the exile. Uh, Daniel and his three uh, friends, you know, they the three Hebrew boys or whatever, they lived under. Nebuchadnezzar and then under uh, King Darius after the, the um, Babylonians were defeated by uh, the Medes and so all of that happened during the exile where um, the Israelites were if they didn't bow the knee they were killed for not worshiping the pagan God so they did not have a nice time in exile they were being punished for their sins they were taken away from their land they were taken away from Jerusalem they were taken away from worshiping their God but whose fault was it It wasn't God's fault it was their fault it was their sin so here we see that sin is their exile their exile away from God and we experience the same thing that Israel had in a sense but our captor an enemy nation. Our captor is the cruel curse of sin. Let me tell you about sin. Sin is a cruel captor. Sin is a cruel master. Sin, I heard this in a, 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 a preacher preaching this uh, over this past week. That I was listening to a podcast. He said something that was very simple but profound. He says sin never relents. Relent means, relent. to relent means to give up. Sin never relents. Sin never gives up. We have to understand that about sin. Sin never stops. Sin doesn't say, okay, I'm gonna give you a break today. You You've had enough. <laughs> Sin is not going to show sympathy for you. Sin is not an empath. You know, sin is not empathetic. Sin is not compassionate. Sin is not kind. Sin is cruel. Sin is a cruel taskmaster. Sin is a slave driver. Sin is relentless in its pursuit of destroying you and me. We're born into slavery. We're conceived in sin. We are hopeless prisoners in desperate need of a savior. Just as Israel was. They were, they were prisoners. They were prisoners in Babylon. They were prisoners in a foreign land. They couldn't worship. They couldn't build the temple in Babylon. No, because there was a temple built to the pagan gods. Remember in the story in the book of Daniel, where Daniel was thrown in the pit for doing what? For praying, for praying to his God. He was thrown to the lions then for being faithful to his God. His three friends were thrown into the fiery pit for not bowing the knee to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar that he had fashioned. The idol that he had fashioned, the 90-foot tall statue, and they refused to bow the knee. So guess what? They were thrown in the furnace. That's how they did, believers. That's how they did those who dissented against uh, worshiping their gods. (coughs) Because that's how cruel sin is. And that's how cruel it was for Israel. And so in this passage here, this first principle that we see is that sin is our exile. And anyone who is in exile needs to be delivered. So what does God do? God provides a way of hope. And remember, this is speaking of after the exile where he says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her. And then it goes on down to verse 3. This is my main focus this morning is verses 3 through 8. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This was a uh, prophetic enunciation of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's who this was foretelling and speaking of. This was speaking of the prophetic ministry of Christ. It was the already but not yet reality for Israel. And it says here, "Prepare the way of the Lord." What is prepare the way means what what happened in ancient times especially when a king a ruler was was coming uh, to town so to speak there would be a herald someone who would come into that city and tell the people to get their affairs in order get everything straight why because the king is coming it reminds me of (coughs) when i was in high school and uh, Tuskegee University, my hometown college, had built the uh, Chappie James Arena, which was for the uh, aerospace engineering program down there at Tuskegee. And uh, Ronald Reagan was president at that time, and this was in 1988. And he was coming to speak at Chappie James. And four, five months before Ronald Reagan even came, Secret Service was already in town preparing for the president's visit. And about a month before he came, there were even more secret service detail. You could see them with their, you know, their, 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 their black suits on with the, you know, the stereotype with the shades and the earpiece and all you see them driving around town in their, in their black government issued vehicles, just, just kind of, you know, preparing the way for the president's, Arrival and when Ronald Reagan did come, when his motorcade came through town, they closed all the main streets in town that he had to to go through, coming from I-85 to I think Franklin Exit Exit 49, and then coming down Pleasant Springs Drive all the way up into the campus, and they had all those roads blocked off because the president was coming. What did they do? They prepared the way for head of state for the president to come into town and that is the picture we get of this voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way that means that someone important was coming someone important is on the way and so God was telling Israel that someone important was coming that Messiah was coming and that there was a future hope to look forward to he was preparing the way. Christ didn't just appear. No, his way was prepared. It was prepared by a forerunner. And why was it prepared? Because Israel was in exile. They were in spiritual exile, and they were in physical exile in reality. And they needed deliverance. They needed a deliverer. They needed a savior. Through our own failures, through the fall of man, we were thrown into the exile of sin. Through one man, through one king, we are taken out of the exile of sin. The mark of sin has plagued humanity ever since our first parents, Adam and Eve. And Israel is in exile. Why? Because of sin. Because of the mark of sin that was in them. But God did not lead them that way. He prepared a way for them. And what was this man going to do? Verse 4. He was going to level everything. Every valley will be exalted. Every mountain and hill will brought low crooked places will be made straight and rough places smooth he was going to level everything he was going to reshape the whole world those who are the proud will be brought low those who are the humbled and know their sinful state Would be exalted. Christ was going to come. To make everything right. And that's what he came to do. And then he speaks of the frailty of man. What shall I cry in verse six? All flesh is what? Grass. Do you know, we don't think enough about our mortality. Perhaps maybe we should or shouldn't. I I think we should. (coughs) The word is called transitory. Do we realize how transitory life is? Transitory in a simple sense means that life is passing. That it is fleeting. That we are literally here today. And the memory of us is gone tomorrow. So when the scripture says all flesh is grass, that's what it means. It's it's fleeting. It's it's, it's here and then it's gone. It's, It's over. Our life is so frail. Our life is so weak. And we are so weak. We are so helpless. We can't stop ourselves from dying. We can't live as long as we would like. We can't maintain the health that we would like to have throughout our life. We have no power over that. Why? Because all flesh is grass. And the loveliness of it is like the flower of the field. What happens? The grass withers. And the flower fades. We are here today and gone tomorrow. We pass away like plants. That's. That's you know that that, that's not comparing our worth as human beings to plants. It's comparing the the brevity of life. It's a good metaphor for the human life that we're like a flower that fades. It is beautiful for a while. I mean, you know, you ever been given flowers before, and they they tell you to put all this stuff in the water, and it'll you know last. Has it ever worked for anyone? Unless it's in soil, and even then you got to repot it, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So you know they tell you put salt. I don't know what what they tell you to put in water these days to keep those roses that you get uh, blooming. But no matter what it is, I, I don't think it works. Has it worked for any of you all? That shows you the fleeting nature of our life. That's what sin did to us. It made it very fleeting. But what stands forever. The word of our God. It contrasts the permanence of God's word. With the transitory nature of man. And that's what we see in exile. We see how frail these people's lives are. And the fact that they are helpless. And hopeless. To do anything about it. But God does provide hope. For for them amen and we see this hope laid out in the book of mark so let's turn to mark the first chapter and you're going to hear some familiar words ring in your ear and we see here the gospel according to mark and this this um, principle is that Jesus is our exodus he is our way out. Just as God provided the way out for Israel. He provides the way for us out through Christ. And this is why we look to his birth. Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I think this comes from the book of Malachi, the third chapter. And then verse three points back to what we just read. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins Then all the land of Judea. And those from Jerusalem went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stand down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. God is not content to leave us in exile. Just as he was not content to leave Israel in exile. God did judge the sins of Israel. With the exile. And God. On Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Because Christ took on our what? he took on our punishment he took on our punishment to pay for our redemption just as the Jewish people look for deliverance from Babylon we too look for deliverance from sin and why is this important we say it all the time sin is man's greatest malady malady meaning sickness. Disease. Sin is the answer to every question that people ask about what's going on in our world. It's sin. Sin is man's greatest malady. Sin is man's greatest illness. Sin is man's greatest sickness. It is sin. Saints, it is not anything else. Everything else emanates or comes from sin or comes as a result of sin, but at the bottom of it is what? Is sin. Homelessness, broken home, you know, broken home family situation, you know, growing up in a uh you know bad neighborhood, going to bad schools, you know, whatever the case may be. Being Uh, negatively influenced by things that you see and things that you hear in the home. All those things are a outflow of sin. At the root of all human problems is sin. Because if you don't fix the sin problem, you're not going to fix the person. If you don't fix the sin problem, you're not going to fix the person. Our greatest need is deliverance from sin. Just as Israel's greatest need at that time was deliverance from Babylon. To go back to Jerusalem, to go back to their spiritual home, to worship their God. Our spiritual home is with the Lord to worship Christ to enjoy him forever in fellowship to be one with the Lord. That is our spiritual home. That is our spiritual heritage. That is our spiritual inheritance. We're one with Christ. That is where we belong. That is where every single person belongs. Is with Christ. There's not a single person on this earth. Who does not belong with Christ. But because of sin. People reject Christ. Or they try to refashion him. Or try to repackage him. Try to reintroduce him to the world. As a social justice warrior. Who didn't call men to repent. Of their sins. You won't hear people speak that often about Christ but that is man's greatest need to turn away from their sins and that is what the proclamation is here I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way for you my messenger is speaking of John the Baptist he was God's divinely appointed messenger He was the forerunner of Christ. And this was written in the book of Malachi. Which was a few hundred years before Christ was born. Some 400 years. The message of the deliverer. So the thing is. All those years. What was Israel looking for? They were looking for this messenger. They read the book of Malachi. They read the book of Isaiah. They saw what God says, prepare the way. I want to send a messenger and this message is going to be prepare the way. Guess what? They were anticipating that for hundreds of years. Who is this messenger? Who is this man? And what did Mark tell us? That he's here. He was telling them in verse 2 and 3. Behold I send my messenger. Because he said that this was already spoken in who? In the prophets. It's already spoken in Isaiah. It was already spoken in Malachi. 700 years and 400 years before this period. And he will prepare the way. His voice will say prepare the way of. The Lord make his pathways or make his paths straight. That voice was bringing salvation. God was preparing the way in the birth of Christ for man to be saved. There was a preparation that took place, and this is the one that we see. So, when we're thinking about the way, the way refers to God's path in the Old Testament. In Isaiah, it referred to God's path for Israel back to Jerusalem. For us, the way was the way, the pathway to God through Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the what? The way. Prepare the way. Prepare the way of God to the Lord. Christ is the way. And his way was to be prepared. And that's what John came proclaiming. Prepare the way of the Lord a deliverer, a messenger, came to declare the message. So it says that John came, he came baptizing. He preached the baptism of repentance. And the baptism of repentance was speaking of someone turning away from their sins. Again, man's greatest malady is what? sin and what is the message of the gospel repent that word sounds so old-fashioned and, and outdated in our day if you go to somebody and tell them repent they're gonna look at you like you're growing horns out of your head but i'm, 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 I'm gonna say this i had a talk with this with some with some uh, christian brothers a couple weeks ago we should not be afraid to use biblical language that's the problem We've gotten away from biblical language. We've allowed the the world to redefine terms and to shame us into not using biblical language. And they're so crafty at it. The world is very slick and very deceptive and very crafty in getting those of us who are of the book, those of us who are God's people, they, they have gotten us away From using biblical language and biblical categories. The word is repent. To turn away. That was the message. That's how God prepared the way. He sent John to proclaim the same message that Christ was going to proclaim. Christ's first words were repent and believe the gospel. Why did he do that? Because his forerunner did it. His forerunner preached repentance. God was calling Israel to repent in the Old Testament, and he's calling us to repent. And John wasn't speaking of baptism of regeneration. Baptism was a response of repentance. It is not what gave repentance or caused repentance. They were baptized in response to repenting. In response to turning away from sin and turning to God. That's what he was doing. It says that people were being baptized here in verse 5 and confessing their sins and confess means to agree they were agreeing with God and that is how true confession looks so that's what a person does when they confess they they are agreeing with God that they are sinners that they have sinned against a holy God and that they need salvation. This is how God was preparing a way. As we look and point to Christ's birth, it wasn't something arbitrary that happened. No, God had a plan. And it's laid out in His Word. Israel, those who knew the Word, were anticipating John the Baptist, they were anticipating the one crying out in the wilderness. You know this season this time of year you know we we do focus on the joy of the season. You know we say the cliche Jesus is the reason for the season and and of course he is. We can go deeper sometimes and, and think about. The fact that Christ's birth was anticipated. It was looked to by the prophets it was looked to by the prophet Isaiah and the the prophet Malachi it was looked to by those Israelites who knew the word of the Lord and were anticipating the birth of Christ we look with anticipation to that day that we celebrate his birth although he was not born on that day but we still look forward to what that means And what does John say of himself? First of all, Mark described him as being clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. He was was a transient. He was a a, a dweller. You know, he didn't have a tunic like others did and and an outer tunic. He He was like rough and ruddy dressing camels hair. Just imagine wearing a potato sack around or something like that. <laughs> you know. Just just kind of imagine that. Someone is out in the wilderness, mountain man. Sometimes we look at people, you know, you can look at a person and say, man, they like they live like out in the woods somewhere. You know, that's how you can look at John, uh the Baptist. You can see him. He's dressing what? Camel's hair. A leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. But that did not discount what? His message. His message was important. He had the greatest message of all. And that was what? Prepare the way of the Lord. Messiah is coming. Messiah is on his way. And no matter how he looked, he had an important message. And friends... It's the same way with us. We don't have to look a certain way. To prepare the way of the Lord. We don't have to have a certain intellect to do it. We don't have to be part of Mensa with the 150 IQ or better. All we have to tell people is what? Repent. Turn away from your sins. Turn to Christ and be saved. It's a simple message. That is how we prepare the way. That is how we point people to this Savior. He says he preached, saying, "There comes one after me, who is mightier than I. Who sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose." Now, in those days, uh, slaves would untie people's shoes. John was saying he is below that. That he is not even as worthy as a slave. He's not even worthy even to be a slave of the Messiah. That is the humble position that we take as we proclaim the gospel to people. We don't, we, we, we don't come with our chests puffed out. No, we come humbly pointing people to the Savior and preparing the way to him. The history of captivity and rescue is led by a deliverer and his name is Jesus. And he is the one that we look to in this season. Amen. Amen. So in conclusion, Jesus is the exodus out of sin. His birth is significant in the fact that why was Jesus born? Why do we celebrate this birth of Christ? Because the Savior of the world is born. Think about how many people who are not Christians sing some of these Christmas hymns like we saw this morning Oh, come all ye faithful. You got unbelievers who sing that. Not thinking about The words. Oh come all you faithful. Who are the faithful? Those who believe in Christ. We come joyful and triumphant. Why? Because we're worshiping. We're praising. We're glorifying glory to God in the highest. You got unbelievers. You got pagans who sing these hymns we can ask them do you know who you're singing to have you examined the words and just really thought about what you're saying do you actually believe in who you're singing about do you know what he came to do he came to save you from your hypocrisy Of singing about someone whom you do not worship, whom you have rejected, whom you have denied. There are some Christmas hymns that are rich in theology. And no, Santa Claus is coming to town. There's not one of them. (laughs) Okay. That is not rich with uh, biblical theology. Okay. What, what is it? I caught mama kissing Santa or something like that. Yeah, I caught grandma, whatever. you know. No, no, all I want for Christmas is you. No, that's no, that's not. Those are not theologically rich songs. I apologize for putting that pen in your balloon. Um, but there are some Christmas hymns that are rich in theology. But people that sing them don't believe in the God that they are talking about. That's when we can have those moments and say, do you know who you're singing to? Do you know what that means? Do you know what the birth of Christ means? Do you know what Christ's first words were? Do you know what John the Baptist, who went before him, was calling people to do? Repent. Repent. And believe in Jesus that's how God prepared the way he prepared the way for man to be saved from the exile of sin let us pray father we thank you we pray you know every time of the year but you know particularly this time because the the focus is so much on the birth of Christ Even people who are not saved still celebrate Christmas. They can say happy holidays and all those things, but Lord, we know that they mean Christmas. And Lord, we know as believers that this time of the year points all of us, points the whole world to the birth of the only man who changed the course of human history. Of the God man Jesus Christ, who was born the prophet, priest, and king of the Most High God, will help us in our time as we go forth these next few weeks to just take a little time to meditate on what it means to anticipate the birth of Christ and what it means. For Christ to be born and the implications of it. And Lord, give us gospel boldness to share with others, those whom we have equity with our family members and co workers and friends, the importance of pointing people to the coming Redeemer. And Lord, may we bear gospel fruit from those conversations. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen.